In today's episode of the Talentcast, we fly to San Diego, which I guess is technically warmer than Chicago is, uh, though no one called it a sunny climb for the most part, and talked about ERE, the conference. It's a thing. Uh, yeah, and I've got some uh, interesting kind of takeaways from all that stuff, so stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Talentcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. This podcast has one simple goal to change the conversation around recruiting, employer brand, and hiring. Simple as that. The only way we can do that is by making this a 100% no-pitch zone, meaning no one's making any money, no one's giving any money, nobody's sponsoring anything. So please, come join us, come learn, come engage in this conversation, come grow our industry with me. Uh, if you want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter, at the War for Talent, or you can look at our website, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, let's get to it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. So, housekeeping. Uh, next month, I'm in Nashville at RecruitCon. The month after that, I'm in, or no, August, I'm in Austin for a Social Recruiting Strategies Conference, and that's exciting. I'm also going to the Talent Board Summit in Austin. Uh, I'm going to Austin for another reason in December, so I'm in Texas a lot, which isn't the worst thing in the world at all. So, you know, find me, bump into me, say hello. Uh, thanks to everybody at ERE who, who said they like my podcast or listen to my podcast or acknowledged that I had a podcast or had ever heard of the podcast. That was kind of sweet. Um, yeah, let's talk about ERE. So yeah, as you know, uh, first off, actually first off, first off, first off, Todd, thanks so much for inviting me. Had a great time. Thanks so much. Uh, can't wait to do it again. Uh, for those of you who don't read ERE, that's definitely the one of the handful of must-reads in the industry, obviously. I publish there on occasion, and Todd was kind enough to invite me to speak. But I don't want to talk about the speakers. That's right. I don't. Uh, what? James doesn't want to talk about himself? No, it's true. It's 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 uh, it's true. And yeah, I'm, I'm drinking my fourth cup of coffee. So yeah, bear that, bear that in mind. So I want to talk about ATSs, and I want to thank uh, one person in particular who will go nameless. Uh, let's just call her my running but I'm her running buddy, apparently. She listens to this podcast uh, while she runs, and I think that's terrifying because I am the last person who will ever run. But uh, she talked about an article I wrote a while ago about the end of the ATS or a world without ATSs, and she said, you know, you should d- dive deeper into that. And so it was a good, I- good idea that sparked a lot of other thoughts, and based on what I was seeing at the vendor booth, which I think in a lot of ways it's kind of the best way to get a sense of what's working and what's not working in the industry. But I want to give you my big takeaway, right? So you couldn't spring to go all the way to San Diego and, and, and hobnob with uh, fellow recruiting smart people and uh, you know you want, you want to sound smart to your boss, well, here's what you say. Here's what you talk about. And everything I saw, and I mean everything, everything I saw had a, had a brand new spin to it that, in that it was all about how do we take the ATS out of the recruiting equation? Okay, I'm gonna let that sink in for a second because, as you know, we've talked about ATSs before and how much I adore them. <laughs> no, um, and how horrible they are because, to be honest, they were never meant to be public. They were never meant to be public facing. Your candidates were never meant to see them or use them. They are the 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 ugly, horrible, gross side of how bills and sausage get made. No one wants to see that. No one should ever see that. Back in the days when you sent in a resume via this thing called mail, no, I'm not pronouncing the E silently, um, you would just mail it in and the recruiter or the sourcer or the coordinator or whoever, depending on the size of the company, would scan the resume if that was, you know, in the last 20 years or before that, they would simply pick up some keywords or, you know, visibly read the resume and say, this is worth keeping or this is worth moving on to the next step. And they would file it away. And when computers kind of came around and said, look, let's keep track of these people, 
That's what they did. It was for the recruiters. It was for the hiring managers. It was an internal use only tool. The internet comes along and Monster and Career Builder and all those other companies said, oh yeah, let's just make a whole bunch of job boards, make it super easy for people to see that you have jobs and apply. To which the company goes, well, what do you mean apply? What does that mean? They said, don't worry. All the ATSs are going to open up this tiny little hole in their ATS to allow people to push their data into it. That's called the ATS, and that's what the public's going to see. And that's really where we've been for the last 20 years or so, right? And it sucks. It sucks. ATSs, honestly, if they're not, even if they're not part of a larger uh, HR thing, you know, you're talking like a work day or something maybe Oracle would sell you, <laughs> you know, your ATS is a tiny piece of a larger HR infrastructure. And as I talk to people who are going to work day all the time, you know, the, 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 the gripe is the same in that it's, it's good if you're HR, it's not designed for recruiting, that that ATS seems to be, uh, that recruiting seems to be the last thing they worried about and the last thing they concern themselves with. So consequently, it's not the part of the ATS that's growing. It's not the part of the, the HR operating system that's moving, you know, in the right direction or moving quick enough for you and me, especially in a world where all these new technologies are being thrown at us. If you've got an ATS that's smaller, that's designed specifically for, for recruiters, it's still not great. It's still not, I mean, nobody truly loves their ATS. The only person I've ever met who loved their ATS was in their honeymoon period. They had just switched to a new ATS, and no, I'm not going to say what. And they were still getting all that super, super hand-holding white glove service from the ATS. And you and I both know that the second that six-month or one-year clock runs out, the service just dries up because you don't need that service anymore. They're stuck in that contract, and it takes two years to, to pull out a most good-sized ATSs and switch over anyway. And people who you know want to try and shake things up and say, we're going to switch our ATSs, and I'm going to tell you right now, eh, switching the ATS is not the problem. The problem is how you're thinking about your ATS. If you complain your ATS is not supporting your customer or your career uh, and candidate engagement services, you're right. They're not designed for that. They're designed for your recruiters to manage data, manage candidates, make notes, decide who's in, who's out, manage some of the communications so they get the email saying thanks but no thanks or what have you. That's what the ATS is for. Managing metrics, managing workflows, managing so that when you do hire someone, they get moved into the onboarding process and the rest of the HR machine. That's what it's there for. No one wanted it to be pretty because it was never meant for anybody except people on the payroll. I swear it's only been four cups of coffee and I'm not even done with the fourth. I'm only kind of halfway through. So the ATS was never meant to be seen by anybody who wasn't on the payroll, right? So we've complained about it. We've whined about it. We've bitched about it. We've moaned about it. We've lamented up to high heavens about how bad all ATSs are and they are, but that's changing and not in the way you might expect. That is ATSs are not changing. In fact, ATSs to some extent are doing a great job staying the same. They understand that their purpose is not to be pretty, but to help you manage workflows. And that's all well and good when it does it right. And, and we can talk about it separately and probably more offline about when it does and doesn't. But there's a whole new industry that's sprung up around how to make your ATSs work better or work more attractively. And there's all sorts of software that slap right on top of your ATS 
and say, we're going to take your jobs, we're going to scrape your ATS, we're going to brand them so they're pretty, so they're not just that banner at the top, that there's a lot more to it, and maybe we can annotate it with some content, and maybe, and maybe, and maybe we can grow it, and we can establish it, and whatever, and it makes it look like its own website, like it's an ATS that you'd want to actually look at. But the truth is that the guts of it all is this horrible, horrible, never-meant-for-prime-time-consumption system that no matter how much you polish it, it's still based on a horrible platform. If the ATS was never meant to be public, no amount of polishing makes that particular turd kind of shine, right? And I think we figured it out. <laughs> I mean, we all know it inherently that, you know, as much as you spend on, and I'm not going to name names because I don't want to, uh, you know, as much as you spend on systems that make your ATS look a little better or work a little better or try it, it's, it's propping up something horrible. It's not designed for that. So what's happening now is I walk down around the ATS Expo Hall, I'm realizing that everything I saw was about how to make the ATS not look better, but be less important to the candidate. Okay, I'm going to let that sink in for a second because that's kind of the key here. The ATS never meant for public consumption. Now all the tools are designed to say, let's cut them out. Let's not let, yes, your recruiters are always going to have to use the ATS. And if they complain about your ATS, it's a whole separate kettle of fish. And that's not what we're going to change here. But your candidates should never see it. Your candidates should never be involved in that stuff. What do I mean by that? Okay, well, let's talk about how people use their ATS. First off, jobs, right? Obviously, you write your job descriptions, and we had a whole comp podcast about job descriptions before, and you put your job descriptions in your ATS, and you, whether you call them job descriptions, i.e. the legal thing, or job postings, i.e. the marketing thing, and I know it's a subtle distinction, and sometimes it's subtle, and sometimes it's huge, but there it is. Those ATSs are there to manage them, and when I say manage, I mean keep them in, as records, meaning this is what we said the job was, for legal purposes, meaning you can't come back and say, you never told me I had to lift 25 pounds over my head. Well, no, it's right there in the job description, actually. Or it's not, we decided to use that to be a jerk and fire your butt uh, because we don't like you uh, in a way that's uh, not particularly legal. Anyway, so it's, it's, it's record management and how many people applied for that thing. But really, it's really about how do you get the jobs out there? Go look at Indeed, go look at LinkedIn, go look at Built-in, go look at uh, uh, Fairy God Boss, go look at Glassdoor, all those places have tapped into the API or scraping your ATS to say, we're going to grab your jobs, we're going to stick them on a website. Google has a schema designed to go in your website, grab all your jobs, and stick them into Google. Right? And that's how you put your jobs out into the world. You don't make a web page with your job description. You make a job description, and the ATS spits it out to the world via a web page that it's templatized. Right? But... You're using it to be attractive. You're using it to attract candidates. You're hoping that someone is going down Google or Indeed or CareerBuilder or Monster or Fairy Godboss or Glassdoor or LinkedIn and da 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 And they go, ooh, cool, I've heard of this company. Or, ooh, cool, I like this title. Or, ooh, cool, I'm desperate. And don't laugh too hard, kids. Um, and they look at the job and they go, oh, that's an interesting job. I want to apply. And they click the button and the, the button links, you know, takes them to your job site or your career site or your ATS jobs or what have you, depending on how complicated you make that thing. And it's a way of attracting candidates in, right? You can attract them via brand, the broad idea that ours is a great company to work for. And that's all well and good. And I'm a big proponent of that, obviously. But sometimes you need to get super granular. I need to attract an SEO expert. Here is a job where an SEO expert goes, oh, that sounds like a job for an SEO expert. It sounds like something I would like to learn more about. There you go. Okay. What if you didn't use the job? 
What if, and I've, we've been talking about content before, but truly we're in a space now where content is almost taking the place of the job. Meaning, rather than say, here is a job posting or job description of that SEO expert, here is an interview with our in-house SEO experts about why SEO matters and how your particular uh, philosophical viewpoint on SEO and how you can use SEO to help your clients and the kind of service you provide the clients and what the experiences of providing that SEO service to your clients is, is or are, depending, I can't tell. Isn't that kind of everything you'd want in a job posting? Maybe throw in a couple of the, hey, if you're looking for this, we just need someone who's amazing at this. You don't have to say you went to college. You don't have to say it requires five years experience. You don't have to say all the stuff that's in a job posting, but really it's all about, look, we're telling you a story. We're involving you in our life. We're using content the way it was meant to be, i.e. to provide some value to the reader. Quick interruption. The goal here is to change the conversation around recruiting, hiring, and employer brand. The only way we can achieve that goal is with your help. And that is not with money, not with sponsorship. No, 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 no. It's to just simply share us and review us. Simple as that. Just review us wherever you get podcasts, share us on social media, say nice things about us or complain about us. I, that really is completely fair. Uh, that's all we really ask. That's all. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, let's get back to the show. Right? Now, for a long time, we've talked about how valuable content is, but what's happening now, if you look at a clinch or many other companies, you can see that the content is taking front stage. They're taking the front stage. It's center stage, the front and center of that world of saying, it's not about the job description, it's not about the job posting, it's about the story. It's about that article or posting, meaning content posting, not a job posting, and people read that and go, that's the job I wanna do. And then, then people come in and they, they either hook in via CRM, they, they raise their hand, they subscribe, whatever. They don't have to actually quote unquote apply. They just have to say, I'm interested in this or this is interesting. Content can be front and center. There's also, um, you know, content of, you know, they're sharing stories, but there's also answering and asking questions. I saw a pretty interesting tool and I've actually forgotten the name. I want to say, um, no, I think, it, oh, it's PathMotion. Yes, thank you. Uh, PathMotion, it's all about, um, it's all about answering questions. They, you know, if you think that what happens when people look for jobs is they have questions, they have uncertainty, and they want a more, they want more certainty, they want more transparency in that understanding what the job's all about, they ask a question. What's it like to be an SEO expert at your company? People internally answer that question. You can uh, approve it and moderate that process, but push it out live. But really what you're doing, you're saying, I'm providing a pretty clear conduit to the people actually doing the job. And as they become engaged, again, it's not the job posting. They weren't looking for an SEO job. They were looking for SEO jobs. And they found someone who was answering their questions and being helpful. And that's, that's, that's powerful employer brand mojo right there. There's also the concept of referrals. It's not so much just content. There's other ways into the ATS or there are other ways to raise your hand and indicate that you want to and have applied for this job or be considered for this job without ever seeing the ATS. Get into referrals. Figure out a way to make those referrals easy. Say, look, I'm vouching for Susan. You should talk to Susan. The recruiter talks to Susan, and there it is. At no point did Susan have to see the job posting, and no point did Susan have to, maybe she did see the, eventually see the job posting, but she never had to involve with the ATS. She just sent the re recruiter the resume. The recruiter dumped the resume into the ATS and, and, and kind of fixed any kind of parsing issues, and there you go. Susan never saw the ATS, but she was referred. The recruiter realized that this is a good referral, and engage them like a person. Done, done, and done. 
And then there's a new one. Well, actually, it's not that new, but I think it's new in that it's becoming more clear that this is a new front door to the ATS, and that is personality quizzes. Pymetrics, and I've seen some others, uh, and I'm only picking out the people I talk to, and if I missed you, I'm sorry. Uh, and I'm sure that when I talk about a company like Pymetrics that does this, there's got to be a dozen that do it differently or in different ways. But, you know, and, and frankly, it's a lot like, you know, you've got your hacker ranks and, and all those other companies that do uh, tech coding, you know, coding tests. But this is for personality tests. And when the company decides, ah, salespeople are generally have personality types that look like this, 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 and this, based on, you know, they, let's say you survey everybody in the company, it turns out all your best salespeople are in a kind of, have a particular set of traits, right? You then quiz people in the world to say, oh, you have that kind of trait? You know, you'd make an amazing salespeople. Should we talk about this? And it's a front door to engaging not just attention, but to providing information that the recruiter can use to make a decision as to how much energy to apply when pursuing you, right? If a recruiter is going on, a, on LinkedIn and looking for a, a Java developer and finds that you have 7,000 years of experience in Java developing and having worked at 700 companies and you invented Java, you know, the recruiter is going to you know, pretty much get to the point where they're sending you cake, right? You know, they're just going to get a plane and they're going to deliver a cake by hand and say, please, 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 let me talk to you. Well, the recruiter decides to put that kind of energy in because it's obvious that this is an amazing candidate. If you understand what makes an amazing candidate, i.e. personality traits, i.e. skills, i.e. coder tests, recruiters can better make those decisions. It's not just, and I say this not because it's wrong, I'm just saying it because I know it. If you're in, if you're in um, risk, and your finance and you're only looking for people who have experience in the quote unquote big four accounting firms, you're missing amazing traits and skills and experience because you're overly focused on the uh, past employer. And that is not the best way to find great talent. Unfortunately, it is a great way to find great talent that everyone knows how to use and thus it over elevates the talent coming out of those pools. Everybody's looking for them. Therefore, you know, they get, you know, demand, law of supply and demand says their salaries are much higher. But if you break it down into understanding what personality traits, regardless of experience and skills or married to experience and skills, then you can make a better decision. And the recruiter can then say, this is a white glove kind of model, or this is a, hey, fill it out if you want kind of model. You decide. So once you've started to draw people in, so once you've created all these brand new front doors for the application process that never, ever from the candidate's point of view, ever touch the ATS, what else is there? Well. You knew at some point I was going to have to bring it up, but bots, bots is real. <laughs> it's, it's finally happened. I've seen some kind of cool, interesting, that's a good idea, mm, that's a good take on it, mm, getting there kind of bots. This is the first time I saw a bot that for real integrated with the ATS such that the candidate never, ever directly entered the ATS, never, ever, ever had to see the back end, but was still able to interact with it engage with it, add content to their record, add you know rec information to their quote-unquote application, ask it questions, get responses. I saw a, a couple of, uh, actually there was three or four um, bot, AI bot type models, uh, Alio and uh, Maya and, oh, I'm forgetting one. Oh, I'm forgetting one. Oh, I'm forgetting one. Don't worry, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, I think his name was I'm gonna blank on it, and I'm gonna sound like an idiot. I apologize. It was a really interesting demo. Obviously, but my head was full. But there are ways of getting people not just in the front door to say, "Ah, I'm interested," but to carry you through the candidate experience, but also deep into the employee experience. If it integrates with the entire ATS and the application uh, backend, why can't it say, "Hey, let's help you do con um, 
uh, reviews. Let's help you do employer reviews. Let's help you do onboarding. Let's help you do a 90-day check-in. Let's help you do annual, uh, you know, let's do a pulse surveys. Like, all of it, all of it. And you're interacting with this bot as if it's a person, even though it's not and everybody knows it. But you never get to touch the ATS. You never have to. Why would you? It asks you a question, you respond. You ask it a question, it responds. Bingo, bango, you're done. It's amazing. And that bot model is such that because it isn't based in this idea that you have to have a desktop computer or a laptop computer or even a phone, you can do it anywhere because it's just text going back and forth. Guess what? Texting's for real too. Texting has long been dead. Real thing. Real thing. Especially when you're talking high volume hiring, especially when you're talking frontline staff hiring. Texting is where it's at because everybody has a phone. Everybody has information, and if you can figure out how to turn that application process from onerous, or here's my uh, resume that somehow I crafted on my phone, and I keep in my Dropbox, okay, and I'm going to send to you via Dropbox link, and that seems secure. Uh, instead, I'm just going to answer some questions via text. That's fantastic. You're still getting the same kind of information, but you're able to reach a much different kind of audience. Not to mention, from an international standpoint, think of the depth of, of phone integration where there's no uh, computer integration. There are plenty of places in the world where your phone, even flip phones, is your personal computer. Texting's the way it's at. And texting truly provides this brand new ATS, right, uh, brand new front door to the ATS. Again, you never have to see the ATS. You never have to log into it. You never have to, quote unquote, and this is something I hate and hated having to do, create a profile to apply. Hey, here's my resume. It's enough personal information to pretty much steal my entire identity, set up credit cards, and bankrupt me. I don't think you need a password too. Oh my goodness right? That model is completely changed. And I think that's what I'm taking away from ERE this year. All the things I saw were about, well, not all of them, unfortunately, all the interesting things I saw were about how do you make the ATS completely invisible to the candidate experience? That is the goal. And that means that the tools that are still built on the ATS being the core of the front end, meaning I'm still going to eventually do all sorts of cool stuff to drive you to your ATS so you can fill out a resume or fill out an application, they're in trouble. This is not the model that's going to work. And what happens is from a candidate experience point of view, once candidates start to expect that they never have to see your ATS, when they do have to see your ATS, they will bolt. Companies that do not invest in these kinds of technologies that still say, whatever, we're such a great employer, we have such a great reputation, people are willing to jump through the hoops of applying just to apply with us? No, no, they won't. There's simply too many opportunities out there. And so right now, the next year should be focused on how do you get people to the point where they are engaging with your brand, engaging with your applicant, engaging with your candidates I mean, and, and your employees and your staff and your recruiters and understanding who you are and why they should be employer so that the ATS is rendered as close to obsolete for them as humanly possible. That is your goal for 2018-19 because by the end of 19, this is going to be standard operating procedure. No one's ever going to see the ATS. It's kind of like saying no one's ever actually going to see the backend database. No one's ever going to have to run a, a SQL query or a MySQL query to get that data. That's, that's, that's too far deep in the backend for a candidate to ever have to see. It's going away. 
So uh, that's my big takeaway. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, anything else I got to cover? Yeah, if you like this podcast and you like to hear me drink coffee and see how crazy I get with that, uh, please leave a review. Tell me, give me some ideas of what to talk about. Um, one last random, completely random note, uh, and if you've gotten this far, I appreciate it. I just, I'm, I'm two-thirds of the way through Tom Peters' new book, uh, The Excellence Dividend. Uh, go buy it. Just go buy the thing. I'm not going to even provide an Amazon affiliate link. Just go buy the thing. It is... I know I'm just providing a book review here. Maybe I'll do it in depth later. But and I'm a huge Tom Peters fan, as you might know by now. Um, it is the distillation of his entire career. It's 45 years worth of being an insane, contrarian genius distilled into 400 plus pages. It's it's all of it. All of his dozen or plus books. Here it is in black and white. It's super fantastic. It's given me a million ideas. Uh, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. And I'm not even done. <laughs> Uh, and he is a guy who gets the value of talent. He is a guy who gets the value of talent to a company and how important it is to focus on great talent collection. And it, trust me, he speaks your language. You you definitely want to read this. So I highly recommend. Otherwise, I will see you next week. Uh, if you have an idea for a podcast, ping me on Twitter at The War for Talent or come to the website or, you know, find me on LinkedIn or some Facebook group you and I belong to together, whatever. Um, I'm always around. So talk to you soon or rather next week. And uh, thanks.